Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will teach us about the temptation and judgment of man in the garden. This message is available for free download at friendshipwithgod.org. Now, here's some highlights from yesterday's message. That it's not good for man to be in his separation, in his aloneness. That's the word there. God was concerned that man not just have animal type life, so he put into man a special God life, his breath of God. So God is always looking for what is not good in our lives. In other words, what we are lacking what we need in order to be complete. He's looking for that and he's providing for what for what what we need. He provided the spirit of God. He provided Eve for man because he knew that he was going to need these if he had it was going to stand against the temptation that was coming. Now here's Tom Cantor as we continue to study our lesson from Genesis this week. Righteousness the righteousness of Christ, as we were singing and speaking about this morning and during our breaking of bread, the righteousness of Christ that covers us, symbolized in the Day of Atonement, and the blood of Christ that cleanses us. The righteousness of Christ that covers us and the blood of Christ that cleanses us. Then what else do we have? We have a wonderful thing which is described, your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. God's given us a purpose. God's given us a job in this life. What is it? Be ready to preach the gospel. What kind of gospel is that? Peace. It's a gospel of peace with God. You're at war with God, but the message is the warfare is your warfare is accomplished. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's, the, that's our job. That's what we do. We preach the gospel of peace. And then it says, it goes on and it speaks about faith. The shield of faith will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the devil. Faith, that's our, God has given us to us an ability to believe the Bible. He's given us an ability to take and to utilize the Bible truth specifically and you just feel like you've gotten a shot out of you don't know where this has come from, just say to yourself, shield the faith. Just say it. Shield the faith to yourself. And picture yourself picking up a shield and just making that fiery dart fall to the ground. We have faith. God has given us faith. And then it says that the helmet of salvation, the helmet of salvation, God has promised to us salvation. We can be assured of salvation. Why? What is salvation? Salvation is to know the Lord Jesus Christ personally. And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ from whom thou hast sent, from John 17, 3. It's to know him. Many will come to me that day and say, Lord, did we not do, and they list many, many wonderful works, which were wonderful works, but then he says to them, depart from me, you that work iniquity, I never knew you. I never knew you. So God has given us the ability to know him, which is salvation, and that's a wonderful thing. And then it says, he's given to us the sword of the Spirit. 
The sword of the Spirit. What's that mean? That means that we have the very, very wonderful, unusual opportunity that as we take the Bible, as we take the Word of God, and we use it, guess who else uses it at the same time? The Spirit of God. The Spirit of God takes the Word that we put out, we give to a lost person, and He's the one who brings the conviction of sin and the knowledge that the prince of this world has been judged and that the Lord Jesus Christ really has been raised from the dead. That's the job of the Spirit of God. So, we were, so this is really referring to a partnership, as Paul sometimes said, and I preach and so doth also the Spirit of God. So that's wonderful. Now God has provided all of these things for us why? Because he's God and he's providing because he said it's, this is also a, it's not good that man should be without the whole armor of God. And whatever temptation we think that we're facing, and we always think it's no one else has ever gone through this before, 1 Corinthians ten thirteen says, there's no temptation taken you, and that's the way some temptations feel like they just grabbed you, and, but such as is common to man. Others gone through it too. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above your able, but will with the temptation also make a way or provide a way of escape so that you can bear it. That's what was Genesis 1 and 2 was all about. It was all about, Adam, I've given you everything so you will be able to bear this temptation, you'll be able to escape this temptation, you'll be able to go through it, not fall under it. So we have a lot to, to learn from Adam's, uh, from what happened. My God shall supply or provide all your need according to the riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Okay, so what we've seen so far, and you turn back to Genesis So what we've seen so far in our first two chapters of Genesis, we've seen God preparing man to make him complete. So he'd be, God equipped him with everything that we saw, helpmate, spirit of God. And he also gave him a regular meeting time. We get that in the context too from what we read. A regular meeting time. It was seemed to be at the end of the day, the cool of the day. So I mean, all, all Adam had to do was just hold out until the end of the day. I don't know what Adam's problem was. But anyway, he gave him a time that he could retreat every day. I'll be here, Adam. I'll be here at the end of the day. You and I are going to walk together. I'll be here. And then he warned Adam that something was going to come. He said to Adam, you keep the garden, Adam. You stand guard. That was the word that was used. You guard the garden. You keep the garden. You stand guard. Shamir, you stand there. You keep that garden because something's going to come and attack it. In the garden, in the garden, sure enough, it happened there. And he gives them a helper. All right, so now we stand on this verge of this very profound chapter, 24 verses in chapter 3. But in these 24 verses, we have the temptation of man that defined his natural destiny. The fall of man... He fell into it. The loss, some people have called it paradise lost. The judgment of man and the salvation of man. All in 24 verses, right here. And this chapter, we we not only read about what happened in history, but it's very important for us as we study this to uncover and expose the patterns 
here. Because these patterns, they're like, this first temptation is a pattern for every temptation. And this first fall seems to be a pattern for every fall. And this first belief of lies is a pattern that sin always follows, with lies repeated for every sin. To understand what happened is very, very important for us. Very important. Look at 2 Corinthians 2.10. To whom you forgive anything, I forgive also. For if I forgave anything, to whom I forgave it, for your sakes forgave I it in the person of Christ. Then he says in verse 11 something very important. Lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Okay? We are not ignorant of his devices. This verse tells us that we must study and study and study and study this chapter, looking for and uncovering the devices and the strategies of Satan. Why? Because if we know his devices and his strategies, it'll give us more understandings to identify the same traps in our lives. So we can more readily identify them when we can avoid them. You know, this last Thursday, Katie Smith, who, you, who grew up here, she had a very large cancerous tumor removed along with lymph nodes. And the surgery lasted several hours. And you think about the training of that cancer surgeon who was taught to you know, use those magnifier glasses that they use and identify cancer from normal tissue and take his scalpel and carefully dissect away the cancer from the normal. And you know what that is? That's a picture of us here in chapter 3. God wants us to, just like that surgeon, to identify and to dissect away in what Satan said here, the truth from the error, so that we can see it. So when we read these first verses here, we see the cancer of lies intertwined with the normalcy of truth. And we're going to do the work of badad. We're going to separate. We're going to, to dissect and separate one from the other, the truth from the air, so we can keep ourselves from believing in the air. All right, so here we have verse 1, Genesis 3, 1. The serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. Why did the Lord God make this serpent to be as crafty as he was and got used this way? I'll tell you, I don't know. (laughs) But he made it. Anyway, so with this verse, there are three foundational truths that we do understand here that become apparent for us for the first time. First, we have a disclosure that there is a spirit world. There is a spirit world of two kingdoms because the serpent is not talking like God talks. So we right away understand that there is a spirit world of two kingdoms. Now we've already seen in the Bible how God has made up of different persons in the Elohim that he, is, that he is a spirit. We saw that. We saw that right off the bat in the second verse of the book. That the spirit of God, the Ruach Elohim, moved upon the face of the waters. But now another spirit comes into our view. And he's just as real as God is. And, he, and, he, and he's just as unseen as God is, but he's not God. And so with this emergence of this talking snake, the snake that talks, we understand the first foundational truth, which is there is a spirit world of two kingdoms. Now, we can see that this spirit that is speaking through this snake is obviously opposing God. He's not on God's side. And so the second truth that we learn here is that 
these two spiritual kingdoms oppose each other. They're, they're opposite, opposing each other. It's very clear that this spirit is not speaking in support of God. And so this shows us that there has already been a badad. There's already been a separation. There's already been a division which has taken place that we don't know very much about, but there's been obviously some sort of falling out or falling away or fall away from God. And so now this is interesting to us. And so we ask the question, well, what does the Bible reveal to us about the opponent of God as we first see him coming on the scene here? Well, turn to 1 Chronicles chapter 21, verse 1. And Satan, so here, here we have a name, Satan. So, I mean, the way our Bible books are laid out, this is the first time that the word Satan appears in our Bible, but we know that Job is the oldest book in the Bible, and there we have the name Satan. So, Satan stood up against Israel and provoked David to number Israel. So here we see that the opponent of God, and by the way, uh, Satan or Satan, and again, another root word meaning to accuse or to stand in opposition of, and isn't that how we see him first appearing in Genesis 3, in opposition to God? Satan stood up against Israel. We see his influence on a man. He stood up and he, he provoked David to number Israel. The first thing we see him doing here is standing up against the people of God, against the Jewish people. He is, uh, he is anti-God's people, or if you want, he's anti-Semitic. He's anti-Jewish God's people. And here we see him provoking David to disobey God and to number the people because he wants to bring harm to God's people. Tom, today you talked about the value of meeting with God every morning. What does the Bible have to say about our need to meet with God every morning? You know, when you look in the Old Testament, you see in there the by pattern, by example, by illustration how important it is, and what we should do every morning. One example is given in Exodus 16.21, and that was for the eating, the, the, the feeding of the children of Israel during the 40 years when they were wandering in the desert. And there it says, and they gathered it, that's referring to the manna, every morning, every man, according to his eating, and when the sun waxed hot, it melted. You know, manna is very, very interesting. Uh, It says there in another place in the Psalms that man did eat angels' foods. We're not quite sure exactly what that means, but manna was mysterious. As a matter of fact, the word mana means what is it? And so it's it's a food that was mysterious. It wasn't really understood, but it sustained the people, millions of them, for 40 years. That's all they ate for 40 years. And miraculously, it gave them nourishment. You know, there's a picture there. The Bible is our spiritual food. And we read it every morning to sustain our spiritual life. And just like the manna, it is miraculous in how it strengthens us and makes us to know the Lord Jesus Christ better and better and to grow, as it says, grow in grace in the knowledge of his will. They gathered it, it says, 
you know, it wasn't automatic. They had to go out. They had to take time to gather it up. And they did it every morning. And, you know, when we have our quiet times, we actually come to the Bible and we say, I'm here to gather from within this book the very words that God is going to speak to me today, those meaningful phrases, thoughts, and words that I'm going to carry with me throughout my day. And they did this practice every morning, and so should we every morning say to the Lord, Lord, just as the children of Israel came out of their tents every morning to gather up the food so that they can live, I'm coming to you every morning with an open heart, and an open Bible to gather from you the words, as you've said, the words that I speak unto you. They are spirit and they are life, the words that I need for my life. And it was every man according to his eating. So there wasn't like a set amount of food that each person uh, gathered. It was how much each person needed to eat for the day. And you might find yourself having to, in a situation where you may need uh, to spend more time than usual with the Lord that particular morning and more time in the Word of God, and that's fine. And then we find in Exodus chapter 30 and verse 7, it says, And Aaron shall burn thereon sweet incense every morning when he dresseth the lamps, he shall burn incense upon it. This is referring to the tabernacle. And in the tabernacle was the altar for incense. And here we are told that every morning Aaron was to go into this altar and to burn sweet incense. Every morning. Incense is symbolic of prayer. And so God loves to hear his children pray. And when his children pray, it's as if their prayers are like the incense that rises up into his ears. So when we pray to God every morning in our quiet time, it's a time for us to really don't, not to repeat uh, a rote sayings. God is, doesn't have a checklist in heaven and he's checked off and say, okay, he said, our father who art in heaven, check. And okay, he, no, no, no. God wants to hear sweet incense. In other words, the, the, the really coming from our heart causing us to to really come to our Heavenly Father and speak to Him from our heart. That's sweet incense to Him. So every morning, our time with God should not only be the reading of the Bible, but should be our time of praying to Him as well. And then the next, it says in Exodus 36, 3, And they received of Moses all the offering which the children of Israel had brought for the work of the Lord in the service of the sanctuary to make it withal, and they brought it yet unto him free offerings every morning. And that was very, very significant because what Moses was doing at that point is he was taking what are called free offerings every morning. And when we come to God, it should not only be the time when we take in by reading the Bible, not only the time when we pray to God with the sweet incense, but also the time when we give him free offerings. What are free offerings? Free offerings for us would be praise. 
That's the sacrifice of our lips. That's where we come to the Lord Jesus Christ and we say, I, today I don't have to, but I want to thank you and praise you for what you've done. I want to praise you for being the Lamb of God, for example. I want to praise you for being the great heavenly visitor that came to earth. Whatever it might be, the point is it's a free offering. It's something that comes from your heart that you don't have to do, but it's something that's very, very sweet to God because it's a free offering. So that's the third part in our morning devotions that we should bring. Free offerings of praise. Then it says in Leviticus chapter 6, verse 12, And the fire upon the altar shall be burning in it. It shall not be put out, and the priest shall burn wood on it every morning. And lay the burnt offering in order upon it, and he shall burn thereon the fat of the peace offerings. So here's two more offerings and two more indications for us as to what we should do in our morning devotions every morning. The first is what's called the burnt offering. The burnt offering is often referred to in Scripture as the whole burnt offering. It was the burning of the entire animal, every single part of it. That speaks of our giving ourselves to God, our devotion to God, our our wholehearted committing every part of us to God. You may, in your morning devotions, picture yourself, say, Lord, I give you my feet, and go up, I give you my heart, I give you my head, my hands, my ears, my mouth, my ears, my mind. It's the whole burnt offering. I, that is the I give myself to you this morning, Lord, offering. That's the burn offering. That's important. We don't just walk away from our morning devotion without giving ourselves afresh and anew to God. And the last offering here that we should remember are what's called the peace offerings. Every morning, we need to realize anew that he has made peace with God. Therefore, now no condemnation. Uh, We have no condemnation. We have peace with God because he made peace by the blood of his cross. So when we come... We always pray, for example, in Jesus' name. Why do we pray in Jesus' name? Because it is the name, the, the, the name of the Lord Jesus Christ is what has brought peace between us and God. We come to him on the basis of his blood. Why do we mention the blood every morning when we pray? Because it's the blood that speaks peace between us and God. So it's return here, the peace offering, is a return to the cross and the recognition that what happened at the cross is that we got peace with God. So in other words, every morning, we always go to the cross, so to speak, in our mind, lead me to Calvary, and it's there where we say, Lord, I'm coming to you in the name of Jesus. I'm coming to you on the basis and the authority that he has given to me because his blood, Lord, was the offering for my sin, and it washed me from my sin. So there you have it. Every morning to meet with God, to open the Bible and gather what God has given to us like manna, to to pray to God from our heart like incense, 
to give him praise like the free offerings, to burn, to to give ourselves to him like the burnt offering, and to be and remember and to remind him also that we're coming in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ who died for us and bought our peace. This is so wonderful. And what's so tragic, the Jewish people are outside. And if you would like to go door to door to reach the Jewish people with this great news that they too can be forgiven by God, have reconciliation, and to be made a child of God. We have a full-time job for you in Southern California, either in San Diego, Los Angeles, Riverside, Orange County, going door-to-door. Call us at 1-800-247-3051. That's 1-800-247-3051. Thank you for joining us today. Join us again tomorrow as Tom Cantor continues our study from the book of Genesis. Now, as you heard Tom Cantor speak about, Israel Restoration Ministries is looking for full-time couriers to take the gospel to the Jewish people in Southern California. If you're interested in going door-to-door and reaching lost Jewish people in Southern California, San Diego, Riverside, Los Angeles, San Bernardino, please call us today at 1-800-247-3051. That's one 800 Now, if you've got a Jewish friend or family member, co-worker or neighbor, and you'd like to reach them with the gospel, call us at 1-800-247-3051. We can send them directly a Tom Cantor testimony DVD or booklet or get one into your hands to give to them. So call us today at 1-800-247-3051. We can help you to fulfill God's command to go to his lost nation of Jewish people first. You can also call us to receive any of Tom Cantor's videos, DVDs, books, or any materials at 1-800-247-3051. You can also get a copy of today's broadcast by going to friendshipwithgod.org or israelrestoration.org. You can also find Tom Cantor and Israel Restoration Ministries on Facebook and receive a daily devotional from Tom Cantor. Thanks for listening and join us tomorrow.